Welcome to a very special episode 97 of the Geek Rex podcast. Uh, this one, we have so much content, we've actually split it into a couple episodes. So you'll be seeing a few episodes show up on your feet in a row. We wanted to chop them up into nice size chunks for your listening pleasure. These episodes are going to be chock full of interview content from uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, Myself and Hannah and Kyle uh, all did lots of interviews out in San Diego, so we got to talk with people from uh, TV shows, from uh, stuff on the DC side, on the Marvel side, and uh, for you non-superhero TV fans, uh, we also got a nice long interview with some people from the TV show Hannibal, which is really interesting as well. So this first episode is going to cover the DC TV side of things. So we've got interviews with the cast and crew of The Flash, Supergirl, Lucifer, and Gotham. So check these out and stay tuned for parts two, three, and maybe four. had the opportunity to chat with the cast and crew of CW's popular television series, The Flash. First up on that side, Grant Gustin, The Flash himself. Apparently my suit's on display near the Superman and Batman suit, which is like, blows my mind, and I just want to go see those suits, and I can't. <laughs> How badass was that cliffhanger? Say that again? How badass was that cliffhanger at the end of the I thought it was badass. Did you think what do you expect to happen at the beginning? Um... Well, when we're coming back, we're going to kind of see how the singularity affected everybody um, and kind of piece together exactly what happened because um, it's not a completely direct pickup. And Barry is kind of... The Flash, rather, is getting a lot of acclaim from the city for being a hero at this point. And Barry's having a hard time dealing with that just because, as we all know, Eddie stopped Wells. Um, and he was he was kind of the hero that day, or was the hero that day. And Barry knows that. And um, I think he's kind of having a hard time dealing with the attention. And he's kind of shunned everybody that he works with because he doesn't want anyone else to have to die and he's kind of going about things a different way when we find him at the beginning of season two. The suit is down there, which I saw. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I noticed, though, is yeah. it has the way emblem. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing that we were going to see? That's a thing, yeah. I'm As of now, ne- I shot in the suit on my first or second day of filming and I was in the red emblem. Um, but... Yeah, that's. I will be in that suit pretty soon. Yeah. Have you have you tried to approach Andrew and the team about having an all musical episode, given the chops you guys all have? No, I have not. <laughs> I although I am like pushing like just like fun in general on the show, and like maybe even the karaoke bar that we went to becoming like a frequent place we could go and like bring Cisco and bring just have a uh, have it be a set that we could hang out on and squeeze in karaoke moments here and there. Um, I don't know. Though. I think a musical episode is like a season 10 type of thing, if, if we make it. <laughs> well, I'm curious, not in terms of powers, but in terms of barriers as a character emotionally, how do you think the events of season one changed him as he's going into season two? How do you think that evolution is um, Well, I think the biggest thing is, well, as season one was winding down, I think he was getting a lot of confidence and he was feeling like he knew what he was doing. He feel he had that team behind him and they all felt like they could take down these metahumans and they were doing some good. And, and he was 
this hero that everyone said he was. And but that's like I said, it's all been kind of turned on its head a little bit for season two. So it's Barry's going to spend, I think, a lot of season two maturing, trying to find confidence again. He's working with a new mentor um, that's going to help him hone some new powers pretty early on in the season. Uh, he, he discovers a new power in the second episode, actually, that I'm pretty excited about. Um, yeah. How many episodes have you shot or read? We're just, we've worked, we shot two days on episode one before we came here. So is there any crossover with The Legend of Tomorrow or Arrow already? Um, there are some crossovers already planned. But nothing that we've shot. Already. But again, at the end of the year, probably, right? Throughout the year and probably at the end of the year, yeah. There's going to be, I think it's going to start to be kind of a staple that around, I think it was episode eight last year yes. that Flash and Arrow had their crossovers. I think that's going to be the time every year if we still have TV shows, that that's when we'll cross over. Is that mentor character related to the, the Jake Garrick revelation that Jeff tossed out yesterday? The perhaps? mentor character? Yeah, that you... Could be. Maybe. Hey, another one. But the whole crossover thing and the thing I asked you about Superman in the beginning, how badly would you want to cross over with Supergirl? Yeah, I mean, I've said from the beginning that that would, that would be my favorite that would be my favorite DC character to have on the show for sure was Superman or even if it was just a Clark Kent cameo like uh, what about Supergirl though since Greg's yeah, doing Supergirl yeah I don't know it's, I mean it's different universe. different network but yeah same universe same creators so and I, I me and Melissa know each other from our Glee days so um, I'd love to work with her again um I think it'd be fun. Yeah. With, the, with the marriage of Captain Singh, Flash has become the first TV show to have same-sex marriage. Yeah, totally. I'm wondering what you think Barry Allen's reaction would be to the recent same-sex marriage rule. I think it would probably be similar to how I feel about it. I mean, I bring a lot of my heart, I think, to the character. And, I mean, it's, I don't think ever something that's like a, a thing to bury on the show. That, that's, I don't know, that his, his, his boss is a gay man married to another gay man. I don't think that's a thing to bury. I think it's just kind of is what it is. Like, would he have celebrated with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he was invited, he probably wasn't invited, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, but I would, I, I would imagine he sent him a congratulations bouquet or something in a card. <laughs> what are your favorite TV shows right now? Um, God, I watch, I'm like always behind. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not watching much right now, to be honest, because I, when I, we start shooting, I can't watch anything. Um, but Walking Dead, I've never missed an episode of. I've seen that all the way through. Uh, I'm just starting Mad Men. What? Yeah, I know. Oh I've never watched Mad, Mad Men before. I, whenever someone asks me this question, I like can't think of any of the shows that I'm watching. But I love TV, so pretty much anything. <laughs> I spent... Um, yeah, the, well, I don't know too much about what else is to come other than the first, I know some vague things, but other than the first two episodes that I've read, things that have been kind of vaguely mentioned with mentors and iconic characters and whatnot, uh, that were teased in the season finale even, um, I think <laughs> that's, that's probably the most exciting thing, the biggest thing I'm excited about that I think fans will be excited about as well. Do you read the current, uh, Flash run in the comics? Yeah, yeah. 
What do you, you think you could ever talk Andrew into doing maybe a Blue Flash storyline like, like it has been going on? I don't think I'd have to talk him into it. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I just said it. You know, we over the internet, I think right? he it's would a... want to do it, is okay. all I'm saying, okay. without me pushing him in that direction. Okay. According to Grand Custom. <laughs> What gets easier about playing this character? What aspects of him get easier as you go? Um, is the action easier? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, logistically, the action, everything about shooting has become easier. I, know, I mean, the effects, I know how they work now. We have guest directors all the time, so it's more helpful now that, like, certain things that they're maybe slightly confused about, I understand how we usually shoot them. So that's become easier for sure. I know what to expect in general when I read a page. I don't just think, oh, this is cool. I'm like, oh, this is what's going to take to shoot this episode in this moment. And it all becomes mentally just less of a strain just because you know what you're in for, for sure. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, what's a good chat with the Flash if you can't talk to his opposite number, the reverse Flash, in a very thrilling moment? I had the opportunity to talk with Tom Cavanaugh, former Ed Star and newly minted DC supervillain. Oh, this is a very fancy machine. Thank you. Remember when we went shopping for it? And I was like, get the Zoom, because it's the Flash, and Zoom is an important part of the Flash. Exactly. Like, That's and you said, that means nothing to my technology. I'm trying to do a job. And I said, no, but... I got to talk about Flash. Hey, Tom, what would Eobard Thawne's favorite snack be? I love the fact that you are just bridging the Flash with my podcast, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks. Sounds like you guys are mates. Which literally, oh my God, God, I love you. All I want to do is talk about that thing, and you just led me into this. My gosh. Well, you know, it's a really good question. His favorite, Eobard Thawne's favorite snack, I think, would involve some kind of cow-based meat product right because cows don't exist where he's from they're out of cows where eobard thon is from they're out of cows so it's something like that maybe some beef jerky all right i think the meat beef jerky might be something all right i like the fact that in my head as everyone here is waiting to talk about the flash i'm like would it be beef jerky <laughs> and everyone's like oh my god but listen, listen to this podcast. You won't be disappointed. Mike and Tom eat snacks with Michael Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh. It's Mate, it's great. It is funny and it's very blue. It's not what you're used to seeing. Agreed? Right? That's Agreed. like, a, yeah, Agreed. or hearing. Given that, your given that your character's from the future, I'm wondering what he would think of the same sex marriage ruling that just happened here in the U.S. Well, he'd be like, duh. He's <laughs> like, my God, you idiots. Oh, God. Like, it was 2015. Good work, everybody. <laughs> Nice job, thonk, 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 the humans. You'd be like that. I agree. <laughs> right. yeah. What can you tell us about your character in the second I can't, unfortunately, tell you anything, but I can dodge and weave and bob and duck questions like crazy. How about the opportunity for you to sort of reinvent yourself in the second season? Is that an opportunity that's being presented? That's a good answer to that man's question right there. Yes, it's, it is an opportunity. You know, my starting point has always been, it will always be uh, reverse slash. So that's one way of uh, getting to the question. Like that is uh, that is the track, that is the starting gate to the track that uh, I'm I'm running. Um, and I love uh, how we to keep with the running and uh, um, motif how we uh, how we ran that track last year. I thought they did a really good job ending with a, I thought a well earned uh, season finale in which you know. Sometimes the season finales are like, there's, well, we got to have a big thing. And so you have to, you work hard and you formulate it, but it's not organic. I feel like with Rick Cosnick sacrificing himself, 
with the death of Eddie Thawne coming a little bit out of left field. I think that we actually earned kind of a big moment there. And so the job now is to try and vault the high bar that Rick and um, the season finale set for the second season. And what's nice about it is, you know, um, our writing room, <clears throat> totemically writing, I think is a little bit underrated in, uh, in what we do. And our writing room, I think it's safe to say, has been unafraid of the challenge from the beginning to the point where Greg Berlanti last year, just this is my third show with Greg, and you know we came out of the gate so fast. You know, last year around episode seven, I said we were all worried about story because we were just coming out and getting out Captain Cold and Plastique, and here comes Grodd, and like you're get you're 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 unveiled in episode nine as the man in the yellow suit, and boom, boom, boom. So I said to Greg, are we all worried about story? And verbatim, Greg's answer was, "We're there's always more story." You know, and so they're on a afraid, which I like. They're fearless. They're not trying to repeat a pilot that worked. And so in season two, it's that. We're not trying to repeat season one. You know, we've got like twists and turns. We're going to open in a much darker place, but picking up where we left off last year, you know, it's you know, I've read the, the the first few episodes and, you know, it's accelerated. You know, it's not going to be, let's try and follow a model that seemed to work in season one, you know. And so the writers are fearless. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of twists and turns. And um, I think that if you were a fan of the show, what we have in, in store will keep you a fan. One of the things that I enjoyed most about your character in season one was... You were so likable as, as a, a mentor figure, but also so great as the villain. I think the audience kind of had a tough time deciding which version they liked better. What's nice about this is, again, nothing I did. This is those guys crafting a character that who genuinely had goals that made him good and bad. He needed to protect Barry, so he had he ended up in that relationship while protecting him, had that mentorship, which was genuine, and then affection bled into it, which he couldn't, he couldn't help because he's so winning. At the same time, this is a guy trying to get home, and people needed to die for him to get home, so be it. To that, to him, they'd already been dead for 100 years. So he had these two goals, which were genuine and organic, allowing me as the character to play you know, both those levels without it being a dastardly, you know, sketchy villain. You know? And so um, I think we have more of that coming up in, in season two. It was a, it, for an actor just a, a joy to be able to play two levels that were like again like I use that word earn but kind of earned he had these goals and he was trying to get home I'm excited did you like doing better I, I really like the reason I signed on was to put on that suit and be the reverse flash you know so for me like when it gets robust and athletic as it sometimes does on our show and we're wearing a thing and we're facing off I love that stuff yeah. alright thanks you guys and last but not least for this segment, here I am talking with Andrew Kreisberg, executive producer of The Flash, and I get an opportunity to ask him a question that's been burning on the back of my mind for months. So, Andrew, tell me about Mirror Master. No. no. Next question. <laughs> we love that character. We're very excited to one day have him on the show, and we'll see, we'll see what the future holds. Will he be Scottish? Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, we, we haven't we haven't actually sat down and said, oh, like, there's going to be the Mirror Master episode, and, and you know, we, uh, you know, we certainly have some amazing new villains, you know, and then some, you know, as, and some returning favorites, and, um, you know, one day we'll get there. I, I'm sure, I hope, I, I'm sure we'll do him justice. Hopefully. Creative, I'm sorry. Creatively, though, um, in going through the first season, did it almost surprise you guys how much ground you were able to cover and how well the characters were. I mean, I'm not saying you guys don't think you're talented to begin with, but as the season progressed, the show seemed to get better and better and better as it was going on. Uh, thank you. I, 
you know, I, last year was really a magical year for, for, for Greg and for I. Um, you know, I mean, Greg has certainly done, been in charge of far more shows, shows than I have, but we really, you know, we've said everyone's, you know, everyone's, you know, well, there's only a couple of times in your career you get to have a season like that where we really, you know, it started out strong and it seemed to only get stronger. And, and, and I think part of that was for whatever reason, we seemed, we felt like we had a really good handle on what the show was very early on. There weren't as many growing pains, certainly as there were on Arrow, where if you look at some of those early episodes, they were not as emblematic of what the show became when, when that show really started to hit. Um, so that left us with a lot of um, runway to sort of make the, the, the back half of the season better. Um, and then the thing that you, 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 you can't ever count on is the cast that you have rising to the heights that they did and then knowing what they could do and then being able to write towards that and, and make it better. And, and, and everything we send up there came back better when they filmed it. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the, I mean, I think the cast and, and, and just us, um, you know, for whatever reason, just really having a handle on, on the show early on is, is, I think, what allowed it to grow uh, creatively the way it did. And are you, are you going the Arrow route and make Grodd the big bad for season two? Oh, Grodd? Uh, uh, Grodd, no. Grodd can't be the villain of season two because that, that would cost all the money in the world. <laughs> um, uh, Grodd will definitely be back. I, I, I can assure you that. But um, no, I, I, you, know, we, uh, you know, we're, we're going to announce the big bad of the year tonight. Um, so. You said before uh, that you don't tease anything in the show that you don't plan on fulfilling at some point. I lied. God, <laughs> damn you. Uh, in the end of uh, the season two finale, there's a lot of things throughout the Flash Museum, Killer Frost, the Jake Eric helmet. Did you already have plans in motion for that, those things going forward at the time, or are you going to maybe at some point come back to those ideas? Some of those things are going to manifest sooner rather than later. Other things were... Other things are, um, you know, wishes. You know, I mean, one of the... One of the <laughs> You know, it's like when you, when you adapt a novel for a movie, like you have the novel. It's like it's just the novel, and you know. But when you adapt like a comic book, you you have you know within the, the case of some of these characters, you've got like fifty to seventy five years worth of stories, and it's not one continuous story. And then sometimes things get retconned. Sometimes, in the case of the Flash, there was a whole different Flash, you know, who, who came along, and and um, and a lot of these things, you know, obviate each other. So. Um, You know, but but the one thing about the Flash that he's always had is, you know, his his storylines have always been iconic. Whether it was the Trial of the Flash, and, you know, and 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 one of the things that we were very conscious of doing was that we really embraced that this was a comic book show. You know, even more so than Arrow, especially early on, where we were, you know, testing the waters to see how comic booky we could we could make that show. So if you're going to see the future, if you're going to see the Speed Force, to be able to present like this tr Trial of uh, the Flash, you know, that's such an iconic story. You can say, oh, cool, that you know. So without any specific plans necessarily for any one of those things although there's a few things we saw that will happen sooner rather than later you know the fans know those things so they, they actually mean something what excites you the most about this new season I think for me um, Tom Cavanaugh's role in season two which you know um, I'm sure a lot of people are asking how can 
Tom continue to be on the show when he was literally erased from existence, you know, and, and watching how Tom continues to be part of the show um, and an integral part of the show, you know, I think is one of the, was one of our, 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 our both cooler and more dangerous ideas. And, you know, hopefully the audience will, will buy into it. Um, you know, I feel I'm really excited about that. And um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things, honestly, we're, we're, we're so excited to keep doing it. I mean, we really, you know, and it's not to say that I don't love Arrow or I don't love Legends or I don't love Supergirl or I don't love anything that I've done, but there's, you know, for, for Greg, if Greg were here, he would tell you the same thing. There's just something really special about The Flash. I mean, it's, he really was our hero as a kid and to have created the show that we did and have the success that we did. And, and you know, it's 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 the one thing that for us just isn't work, you know, working on the show. So, well, the discovery is Wally West. Will he be pre New Fifty Two or post New Fifty Two? If we do have Wally West in the show, um, he'll obviously be post because you know he'll he'll be African American because he'll be tied into our West family. So that that is definitive. Um, you had a question? Yeah, I wanted to know. Uh, there's a uh, fight in episode two that I think most Flash We're fans... We're not going to say who it's with. No, <laughs> no. There's, there's a fight in, uh, in episode... 202 that I think Flash fans have been waiting all their lives to see. Um, that I saw a, a previs of that you know made me made me cry. And last year um, it was Grodd. You know it was you know uh, you know we we, we we felt in the early going that we had like like oh we can start doing cool stuff. And certainly after episode four with the train, we're like wow we, we really can do some big stuff. But um, there was still always like could we have a full CG character on a TV budget on a TV time. And, um, you know, when we saw what was coming back on that, you know, we were really blown away. Not to be outdone, Hannah has her own interview with Mr. Kreisberg, this time in the press room for the upcoming CBS series, Supergirl. Truth serum, everything you know, go. <laughs> uh, I was born on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so this is exciting. And uh, especially now that a lot of superhero shows are getting... Uh, greenlit to have one that you have like a strong female lead. Yeah, uh, that's that's particularly exciting, I would think, because it's, it's kind of uncharted territory, really, when you think about it. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, like we were talking about, it, it's like you kind of got to go back to Linda Carter on yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman, where you had th th this 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 high profile a comic book character, um, uh, you know, getting getting that opportunity, and it is really exciting. I mean, you know, uh, you know, people have said it's like, are you worried about the glut of superhero shows? But this one feels so different, and, and it, it is because it's a woman, and, and um, you know that that isn't well explored territory. And 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 for us, usually when you see a, a female hero, and again, it's no disrespect to any of them, you, usually they've they've had to lose being female to be the hero it's like you know and 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 and, and by the way I, I mean I, movies and characters that i love but usually when you see like a hero it's like it's just badass yeah you know and it's like and and what we're saying is like it's you can be badass and still be a girl and being a girl isn't a bad thing and and you know and that's so much of what makes Kara a a, a successful hero is because she is a girl and 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 women do do things differently, and and you know, in our 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 version of this world, we're kind of presenting Superman as a bit of a loner, 
and a little bit more sort of the classic, the way guys do things. And that's not how Cara does things, and, and that's exciting. Yeah. Is there anything you can tell us about the upcoming season? Any hints about villains or anything like that? Um, we're, I mean, we're going to have a bunch of comic book villains, you know. I mean, you know, I guess we're going to announce some stuff tonight. Um, you know, so we want to stay for there. But, um, but just like every one of the, every show that we do, it's going to have, they're going to have these some classic comic book characters. Um, you know, some people who have been in other iterations of the Superman mythology that we're going to do our, our take on. Some of them are people who haven't ever been in live action before, which we're kind of excited about. And, uh, I mean, what's great is just like with the Flash, you know, with, you've got every version of Superman that ever exists to pull from. You know, you've got the Donner movies, you've got, you know, um, you know, uh, Man of Steel, you've got the Lois and Clark, you've got, you know, the old George Reeves show, you've got the, the Fleischer cartoons. I mean, yeah. all of that stuff is sort of up for grabs for us to take. And, and so we're really excited about that. And, and we, you know, we've had so much success with, with Flash and with, with the audience sort of like being willing to embrace the comic book aspects of these shows because we always hopefully ground the characters in enough reality and truth that you're sort of willing to go on these rides with them. So, you know, we're just going to do more of that. Does the show acknowledge any of the things happening in the movies or is it separate? No, it's, it's completely separate. And as of, I mean, as of right now, the only, the only, we treat it as the only thing that exists is our show. Um, you know, we're saying that essentially Superman has been doing his thing for the last 12 years, you know, but, uh, you know, we're, it's not, it's not the Zack Snyder verse. It's not the Brian Singer verse. It's not the Richard Donner version. Can you talk about writing female characters and uh, how is it for you? Um, does it come naturally? Yeah, it kind of does. I, I mean, I've actually written for a lot of female characters, but especially before I got into the superhero stuff. I mean, I you know I uh, you know uh, let's just say I wrote for a lot of shows that my 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 uh, mother-in-law liked to watch. <laughs> And, um, um, you know, I was very close to my sister, and there's a lot of my sister inside, uh, inside Kara. But, but I think part of it is also, like, just writing her like a person, you know? And, and I, you know, and, and obviously there, there are differences between men and women, and then there, there's certain, there, there are, are uh, female foibles and, and stuff that, you know, you know that, that, you know, male writers don't always get. But, but I think part of it is just that, you know, it's, it's, the show is not meant to be like a soapbox, you know. I mean, she's just meant to be a person and, you know, she's somebody who's got strengths and weaknesses and somebody who, you know, is, you know, can laugh and cry and make mistakes. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, you know, making her an amazing person, you know, is sort of the most important part. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Appreciate it. Following up on that, Hannah then chatted with Melissa Benoist, Supergirl herself, and who you may have seen in the Oscar-nominated picture, Whiplash. So congratulations on a sweet gig, first of all. (laughs) Yes. And uh, I'm I'm sure you're very excited about it. Now, I know you guys have only shot one episode, but have they talked to you about kind of where a lot of this is headed, or have you had discussions about that? Well, I've gotten bits and pieces of what I I know they want to do from Allie Adler and Andrew Kreisberg, and it all sounds pretty epic. Yeah. (laughs) But also, what I love is that Allie wants to bring in a lot of humanity and, and really fun little moments to kind of develop Kara into this multifaceted 
superhero. Yeah. What for you was the most exciting part? I mean, obviously being able to fly, mm -hmm. that's pretty damn cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, like, what for you was the most exciting part about getting this character? And, you know, was there a personal thing about it that maybe, I mean, it's a pretty cool, it's a great character to play in, right. in a lot of different ways. But what for you was the best part of that? Well, I love a good challenge. And I knew this was going to be really challenging and a lot of responsibility. And I, I, I also love that this is something that I think is going to spread a lot of hope and positivity and a good influence. Yeah. And, you know, I love what I do because it affects a lot of people and it's like a, it's a dream come true. Are you going to keep the costume? If they let me, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. Just, just put it in your suitcase yeah, right? and walk out the door. <laughs> they can't say anything. I'm Supergirl. Are you as badass as your character? I try to be. <laughs> It's funny because I, I, in my everyday life, I have always been such a pacifist. I grew up in a household full of women, and if you hit someone, it was a huge deal, even just like a slap. So the the butt kicking is new. That's a new muscle I'm flexing, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I liked it. <laughs> Do you have any villains you're hoping to see? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they're going to cook up something, some some really cool ones. Obviously, now with uh, with television, I mean, we're seeing a lot of new superhero things that are coming to television. Right. But there's not a lot of uh, strong female characters out right. there, so this is this could definitely change that dynamic. Are you ready to become kind of a role model for girls? Is that something you've thought about at all? Yes. Yeah. It's a, it was the very first thought that popped into my mind when I got the call I got the role. Yeah. I, I automatically was like, well, here it goes. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be, <laughs> you gotta watch what you say. You've gotta like make sure that you're the person that you looked up to when I was little, you know? Yeah, it gives you good goals to stand up for. That's totally. great. Yeah. It holds me accountable. Yeah. Cool. I wasn't. I was more of a movie comic. I, I love sci-fi. I was a huge Star Wars fan. Not necessarily comics, but until college, uh, my closest friend loves comic books and, and graphic novels, and he introduced me to a lot. Have you read a lot since? I've read a lot of the New Fifty Two, but when I when I told them that I was uh, Greg and Allie, they they kind of were like, well, this is our own universe. Like, we're kind of creating this art on our own. We're using, they're using, obviously they're using a lot of the canon, but uh, I think they wanted me to ha really have a fresh take on it. When you go from working in an ensemble cast, mm -hmm. and now you're the star, how do you, like, put yourself in that mindset? Is it, It's got to be very, very different. So different. Yeah. So different. But then, and with that, too, I look at that as a responsibility. I think the way a set works and the way a show feels when you watch it, it really does trickle down. And I just, I just only ever want to be the most professional and positive and helpful and generous to the people I work with and, and to the people that will watch the show. Well, and, go ahead. How physical is the role and are there any challenges on that department? Yeah, it's extremely physical. I've had to train quite a bit. I've been training since the pilot and before. It's challenging. It's It gets tiring, but it's a, in a, it's a good thing, though. I think... I, she's gotta be. She's gotta be really, really tough and strong 
to show girls and to anyone that you can overcome the things that you're afraid of. Well, what's your personal life going to be like? It's going to be this, you know, savior for the world, but is she going to have a personal life? Oh, yeah. She'll definitely, we're going to see a lot of Cara's personal life. Allie always says it. I like the way she puts it. Uh, she says, you know, take away the fact that she fights aliens. What would this girl be like? What would her life look like? And we're definitely going to discover that. She's got a lot of complicated relationships and things to explore. Her career, she's juggling everything. <laughs> Moving over to the Fox side of things, here's Hannah talking with the star of the upcoming Fox DC Comics Vertigo adaptation, Lucifer, Tom Ellis. So, uh, what do you think of Comic-Con so far? Have you been here before? This is my first Comic-Con experience. I've, I've heard loads about it. I've got a lot of friends that have been coming here and, you know, various shows and whatever. Um, thank you so much. Um, I, um, I love it. I mean, there was something really lovely today. It's like a massively egotistical thing to say. But sitting in a, in a room with 4,000 people watch, and then watching the pilot and enjoying it and laughing in all the right places and, you know, a real sort of sense of people having, having enjoyed your work and, you know, what you're trying to do. It's lovely and you don't always get that. You know, there's often screeners of stuff where people are sitting quietly writing notes, you know, <laughs> and picking you apart and you're like, oh. <laughs> so just enjoy it what it is, and, and that's the experience we had today, which was great. I can't wait to see it. Some of my uh, colleagues so, uh, from, from another organization, Mel and Stacy, uh, both say they love you. Oh. And they wish they could be here, but oh. they, they love the screener. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, man. Uh, so if, if Lucifer were to uh, visit Comic Con, uh, what, what, what would his approach be? What would he be interested in uh, seeing? <laughs> Anything with himself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'd be straight to the bar, I think. <laughs> I'm with him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Hey, what do you like most about um, I think the thing I loved most about the script of the pilot when I first got it was the way this character had been written, the way it had been realised. He was very sort of... Um, he was obviously from a different place, which informed my choices about how I do it. It wasn't specific that he would have a British accent or anything. The way it was written, it kind of left off the page to me. I was like, I mean, it's really like the, like Noel Coward or Oscar Wilde, you know, it's kind of fluency and in the Um So I loved the idea of putting him like that into a modern setting, and the, but also the fact that he really loved like good music. Like, <laughs> stink face music. Uh, and it, yeah, so those sort of, the, the, I think the fact it doesn't take itself too seriously is something that really is because there's a lot, of, a lot of shows that are very, very earnest and dark, which is great, I don't have a problem with that, but for something that I, that I would like to do, that the, the element of fun is good. So um, that's what I was did you ever play with the American accent? Did they try it? I did when I was when I was um, not on set, but like when I was sort of making choices about how I was going to do the character. Yeah, I tried it. It just didn't work. It didn't work. And I think for me it was important that this guy was from somewhere else, and it wasn't from Los Angeles. You know. And it, everyone knows that all British people are evil. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So did you, um, before you started, before you acted in the pilot and everything, did you look at other characterizations of the devil, or did you just take them from the comic books? Or I, try, I try, I mean, it's not, it's not me saying that oh, I don't want to do research. It's, I like the, the, for me, the way in which he was realized in the pilot, in, in the script, sorry, was, uh, was so strong. That I felt, and and you know, I've had enough references in my life about who the devil might be, you know, and and uh, and whatever. So I used that as my template. Um, in fact, I will let you into a little. It's not a secret because I've said it before. But, um, I didn't know it. Was, I didn't know it was based on a comic <laughs> until I read on Deadline. That I knew I'd got the job, but I read on Deadline that I got the job, and it was based on a DC comic. I was like. <laughs> Which I'm kind of glad about. I think that might have—I don't know—might have altered my approach slightly or something. But um, but now, obviously, and now we're in. I'm uh, I'm reading them avidly. Yes. What do you think? They're great, and Neil Gaiman's been very lovely actually. We've been in contact with each other, and he's he's um, he's giving his blessing. To this, to this version of it, he really enjoyed it, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. Did you draw on any non-comic-related influences for your character? Any yeah, for sure. Character? I mean, the music side of things was very. Was, you know, the music was. Uh, there were some strong suggestions of what the music would be in the in the script. And I love music, and I use music a lot to sort of um, inform my character and sort of set a tone for him, whatever when I'm working. So I use, I created this playlist and. Um, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff on there that, that I would like practice how this guy would do it, how, you know, how he would move, how he would move, and just this kind of general his general his general way of being in this world. You know, with this soundtrack going on in his ears, walking along to Purple Haze. It's like yeah, or <laughs> Bowie, Rebel, Rebel, brilliant. Yeah. What do you think about? I know you're not filming in Vancouver, but how much do you enjoy filming when you do get to film in Vancouver? Oh, I loved it. I mean. Oh, well, I think Los Angeles is a character in the show. I mean, that was that was kind of it was a big thing for us. We I'm glad that we did the part of it because it really set it up and established this. I mean, LA is a very unique place, and it's kind of filthy and dirty and a bit kind of hell on earth itself. So I think it needed that kind of it needed that in it. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was bizarre for me. I've never shot, I mean, I've done stuff through LA, but I've never actually shot in LA before. And so, like, you know, coming home from work and driving past the Hollywood side, I was just having a few pinchy moments. Like, driving down, you know, Sunset Boulevard, it's all been closed off for a shoot. I mean, like a 68 Corvette. And you go, Is this real? <laughs> <laughs> Have I won a competition? <laughs> so yeah, it was it was great. It was really cool. Mostly unrelated. Where did you get that shirt? I love it. Very Lucifer. The irony would not be lost. It's from All Saints. All right. And for the final piece of our Fox live action comic book picture, Hannah talked with the young Bruce Wayne from Gotham, David Masseuse. So, like, when you get to play a character like Bruce Wayne, you're basically, like, the coolest kid in school for the rest of your life, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah that's kind of how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, when you come into that, uh, I, I'm assuming you're probably a fan of the character anyway, you know, Batman and whatnot. Of course. Uh, what, how excited were you when you first got that part? And especially now to be able to keep expanding it and going into season two. Uh, like, what are your thoughts now based on how you felt when you started this role? When I started, um, it was... I auditioned for the role. Um, I knew I was auditioning for a 
11 year old Batman. Yeah. Um, and I was just really excited because Batman's always been somebody that I loved. Um, but it was kind of, in the beginning, it was, it was a role for me. Now I'm really, now it's Batman. This is, especially going into season two, because um, in the, and with, with school, um, you know, I've kind of been doing this like a little bit and, you know, my, my friends think it's awesome, obviously. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I had to say that. How can they not? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Your friends just don't think Anyway, uh, so going into season two, um, Bruce is really going to start his transition into Batman. Last year, he was kind of, he was a kid, he was grieving for his parents, and he was very determined on finding who his father really was, what happened to his parents, what's happening in Enterprises. But in season two, he's going to start to become Batman. He's not just going to be determined, he's going to be Batman. And with the help of the set of whatever's down that staircase... Um, uh, the help of Lucius Fox, who's played brilliantly by Chris Chalk, who's going to be coming back, and Sean Pertwee, who plays Alfred, and the three of them are really, and the set, um, are going to really start his transformation into Batman. Um, he's going to, when Batman's Batman, he has his Batman side, his public side, um, his Bruce Wayne side, his party boy, you know, public persona. In season two, he's really going to start to develop that public persona to make you know the public think that Bruce Wayne is a loser and he's a party boy and playboy, and there's no way he's capable of being Batman. Um, and so, season two, you're really going to start that, um, and you're really just going to see his his transformation to Batman. And I think it's going to be really epic. Have you practiced saying "I'm Batman"? <laughs> I'm Batman. There you go. That's what I want. That's what I want to do right there. Does Batman still have to do chores at home? Oh yeah. I mean, Batman still has responsibilities. What can you say? Batman, you have to take out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> out, of, out of what's to come, what are you most looking forward to filming? I think what's down the line for Bruce is, like I said, his transformation. But um, he's going to start to go out more and interact with some new characters. And I feel like that's going to be cool because you haven't really seen him do that. I've, I've only worked with, I think at first season, I worked with three series regulars. Like, um, And there's like, 15 of them. <laughs> and so um, you, you really, he hasn't, Bruce hasn't gotten out much um, so far, but he will. Um, and I'm really excited to working with some of these brilliant actors who I've like known for so long. I've never had a chance to work with them. Um, uh, and so I'm really excited for that because I think that Bruce is, Bruce is going to become more involved in the cop world. And it, like, I think, I think this last year it was a bunch of different storylines. There was the Fish Mooney storyline. There was the Penguin storyline. There was the um, GCPD storyline, whatever the case of the week was. There was the Bruce Wayne storyline. There was a Selena Kyle storyline. There was the Riddler storyline. Yeah, there was a bunch of different storylines, and they kind of like all went their separate ways. I think in season two, it's just going to be the good guys and the bad guys, and there's not going to be like little individual stories. And I, so I think because of that, Bruce is since he's on the good guy side, he's going to start to bond with Gordon a lot more. Their relationship is going to um, in season one, Gordon wasn't really, you know, around that much. In season two, I think that's going to be completely different. Gordon really is going to start to be that um, mentor that we were kind of talking about before. Um, and that's really going to start to happen in season two. Um, and I also think that because of that good guy, bad guy, Bruce is going to kind of help along with that. And um, not really help the case because he's not a detective. Well, cannabis, but he will be. Uh, but the world's greatest detective. Yeah, the world's greatest detective, exactly. Um, but um, I think he's just going to be more involved in the crime that's happening in Gotham instead of just being his own Bruce Wayne storyline. If that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs>
I love the way watching you and Sean play off one another. Did you guys have, like, do you, do you find time to kind of find the dynamic of that? Like when you, when you guys are talking to one another, because it really feels like a very natural father-son type of mentality. Great it's it's so too. great. Yeah, I mean, show. well, Sean is amazing. He is one of the most brilliant actors, nicest people I've ever met. I love just spending time with him. He, he, he had a son over last summer. His son's going to come to New York also this summer. And he, I taught, he, he's from England, and so his son's English. English. And um, so I taught him how to play basketball, and he taught me how to play soccer. And um, I, I just love spending time with him. I don't know what that was. They really <laughs> like that answer. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I, I feel like the chemistry that kind of happened between us was just natural. I mean, I the second I met him, I just I remember meeting him. I remember thinking he just he's just a really warm guy, and um, I I I've kind of felt that that father figureship the second I met him, and it kind of it we didn't really have to work on it because it, it just came. It just felt it right. It just felt right, yeah. exactly, and I just really. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something he, that I can't awesome wait guy. to see how it blossoms. In yeah, the, in and season. definitely season two, their relationship is going to take a turn. I think finding that cave hole whatever you want to call it down there whatever that was it's going to it's going to be a turning page in a bunch of different things in Bruce's life and one of those being the Bruce Alfred relationship in season one I feel like they were butting heads a lot um, they were constantly disagreeing in season two they're going to go through a really rocky patch in the beginning but once they get through that they're going to be on the same team and I think that's going to be a beautiful thing since we're at Comic Con what are you a fan of? everything <laughs> okay you want me to list them? Walking Dead The Fear of Walking Dead Game of Thrones, um, Scream Queens. Um, well, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited for it. Same with Fear Walking Dead. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I need to go, but anything, like everything that's here, I'm really excited. I'm actually freaking out right now. Oh. So that's it for part one. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please keep an eye out on your feed for part two, which will be our Marvel TV. Uh, that includes interviews with Jeff Loeb, as well as some folks from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. It'll also have our pretty lengthy and really awesome interview with some people from Hannibal. So keep an eye out for that. Hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.